Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Welcome to Living Stones, a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. I'm your co-host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and joining me as always is my very uh, wonderfully dressed and uh, uh, always uh, great to be with uh, good friend Ken Hellenius. Ken. Good evening, Deacon. How are you? I'm doing well, my friend. We really need to get that webcam here in studio so people can tell. I mean, I'm dressed. You know, you're right. I'm in one of my favorite shirts and, and you, the listener, you, you miss out on this. So in glorious Technicolor, that's what we need. You got to get that webcam here. At, uh, talk to the good folks here at, in management at Modern Day Radio. <laughs> Hi, Deacon. Welcome. Hey, uh, happy Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Yes, friend. Merry Christmas to you as well. Thank you. Uh, and uh, Christmas is good in the uh, in the Deacon Harold household. Yes, it is. It, all, it always is. You know, the kids get older, you know, and the the gifts get a little more complicated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, so uh, they start uh, but batteries and things yeah, like exactly, that, right? exactly. But it's it's very good. Thank you. Excellent, excellent, and uh, the same for us. Uh, the the dog still doesn't understand why there's a tree in the house. Um, he's like, those are supposed to be outside. But yeah, no, but it's a beautiful time. And you know, and the beautiful thing about it is, okay, if you were to flip up and down the dial on your radio, and I don't recommend it because we're here for the next half hour, so keep it here. But if you were to flip up and down the dial, you would not hear on any of the stations any Christmas music. And that makes me really sad because we as a church are just starting our Christmas celebration. And so whereas everybody else in the in the secular world, everyone around us is Christmased out, as it were, we are just kicking off a beautiful celebration because this is what it's about, is extending the joy. And uh, so... Well, even the stores themselves, right? They talk about after Christmas sales. Right. And we're just starting Christmas. We're I mean, just, yeah. you know, and they're talking after Christmas sale, you know, like, well, no, you know, it's, you're so right. And some people even take their trees down. Right. You know, it's like, well, wait a minute. Hold on here. We're just getting started. The day after it's already out. And, yeah. and we just put ours up in our church on Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that's kind of a bit about what we're going to talk about tonight is, is about how this celebration is extended and how the joy of Christmas is not over for us. But, um, last week when we, uh, when we chatted, we had our in-studio guest, the good father, Charlie McCoy. He was kind enough to join us, uh, and talk about, uh, uh, intellectual life and kind of the life of the, uh, of the priest on a university campus. And now it's Christmas break, and all the students at uh, at your local schools, whether they be grade school or, or high school or college, they're all they're all at home. They're all hanging out, probably sitting around with you in the radio, uh, enjoying the show, hopefully. But uh, schools are are closed because, again, we're in a celebration mode, and so let's talk a bit about. There's a little something called the octave of Christmas that we are in right now. Now that sounds very musical. That's right. I mean, uh, an octave, uh, if I remember anything from musical theory, an octave is eight notes that start on, let's say, C, and then they work their way up through the scale, and they end on C. Uh, but they end on C 
the next yeah, higher yeah. Cause see, level. Yeah, because I think C is a good example because there's no sharps or flats. So you have C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C. The, so you have one, one to uh, this, uh, that that interval is called an octave. Okay. From the from the one C note to the next C note is called an octave. Okay. And um, uh, using a scale on guitar, there's usually two octaves in the scale. Okay. Um, and uh, so yeah, so that so it's eight octave comes from octave the, from octo meaning right eight. I mean, meaning we get eight, yeah. Ocho in Spanish. I mean, you know, it's yeah. The the Latin word octo octo means eight. Octavo uh, mm. would be a uh, in book publishing. It's a, a thing of eight pages, a, a printed thing of eight pages. So octave means eight. But what does that have to do with the price of tea in China or with the sign <laughs> of the cross at mass? That's what I want to know. Right. Well, what I, what I love about octaves in the church is that um, you know it extends the celebration, you know, of a, for, for a particular solemnity. You know, so for example, every day uh, in the octave of Christmas, so the octave goes from Christmas Day to January first, which is the solemnity of Mary, the Mother of God. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there's eight days in there, and so every day is Christmas. You know, every day is a solemnity. Every day is Christmas. Although there's some, we're going to talk about that. There's some, yeah. some, uh, some feast, other sneak in there. There's solemnities yeah. in there for some other saints and things. Yeah. But, um, but, but the 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 focus is that every day is still is festive. Every day is Christmas. We're still wearing white vestments and mm-hmm. you know, um, still singing Christmas carols at mass and right. You know, I, right. I just love that the way the church just like this is really important. This is really special. Let's celebrate for eight days. Okay, so. You know? it's stretches it out and it's longer than a week i mean it's it's a week plus then the first day of the next week right mm-hmm. so this mm-hmm. is kind of the way the the church thinks about it is we're we are so excited by christmas that we don't want it to end in one day we don't we don't want to throw out throw out our tree on the 26th kind of deal right um so eight uh is more, you know, what? why eight, though? I mean, if you think about it, seven seems to be a fairly privileged number in Scripture, right? Seven and 40 and 12. These would be, and three. These would be numbers, gosh, once you start thinking about it, almost all the numbers <laughs> yeah. have some sort of, so it's one because there's one God, three because they're triune, four because there are four Gospels. You know, once mm. you start thinking about it, a lot of the numbers end up <clears throat> being quite important to us. But eight is... Um, I think as I've kind of dove into it, eight is important because exactly as I was just saying, a week is seven days. We know, you know, Genesis tells us that God created the world in six days and on the seventh day he rested. And so that's kind of the meaning of our week. Our our week goes for, for seven days. The eighth day is the day on which Christ arose. If you think about creation, you know, beginning uh, and taking six days and then Christ rested on that seventh day, he rested in the tomb on Holy Saturday. The, the first day of the new week is the day in which Christ arose. The first day being Sunday. This is actually the eighth day since creation began. It's the first day of the new creation. So this is the the significance of the number eight is that we are celebrating the new creation that we are in Christ. So it it's quite appropriate then that the the first feast that ever had a an octave attached to it in the in the tradition of the church is the feast of Easter. 
the, the solemnity of Easter was the first to generate an octave because we are celebrating the new creation. So Easter on our calendar is celebrated f- with an octave. Mm-hmm. And on the eighth day of that octave, we celebrate Divine Mercy, Divine Mercy. Sunday, yep. you know, uh, also called the second Sunday of Easter. But really now we are blessed to have this Feast of Divine Mercy, which this particular year in the year of mercy is going to be even more significant to us, yep, right? Exactly. <clears throat> so, um, but... Christmas also has this octave because Christmas is the celebration of Christ's incarnation. The very, we, we look and we see that Christ is human like us, that he took flesh, that he became one of us in order to lead us to, to God, in order to, uh, you know, he, the Christmas is all about and all pointed towards Easter at that though, too. So, um, so that's why eight, I guess, right? Uh, more than seven, more than the uh, sacraments or things like that, but it's it's a celebration of new creation. Yeah, and this even goes back to the fathers of the church talk about this idea of the eighth day. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Scott Hahn, when he talks about covenant theology, talks about the eighth day, mm-hmm. you know. And so this is a very important concept for us as Catholics, you know. And, uh, you know, and, and people often say we don't like to have fun as Catholics, you know. You just you come in there and you're just kind of like, okay, I'm doing my thing. But to celebrate for eight days, that's pretty cool. That's fairly, <laughs> you know, our Jewish brothers and sisters have an eight-day celebration as well. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, Hanukkah mm-hmm. is the celebration of eight eight-day festival of lights. Mm-hmm. It's, again... This is God blessing, and and that's a celebration of the festival of light. And for us, Christmas is a celebration of the light of Christ. Easter is a celebration of the light of the risen Christ. Mm-hmm. So we too have this in our in our um, kind of in our celebration in our liturgy. Now it's important to note that those that. Hanukkah is an eight-day celebration, but that's actually a relatively new celebration. You know, it it uh, does not uh, did not directly. Uh, correlate with octaves. It just happens that they that they uh, are are similar both in Christianity and Judaism. But uh, so, what's the difference between an octave and a novena then? Because isn't a novena also a multi day kind of celebration or or observance of some sort? That's right. And uh, novena comes from Latin word novem, which means nine. Ah. So it's one more day. Then, 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 just keep going. Hey, how about that? I can count. <laughs> uh, I can if I if I take off my socks. Uh, I can get that high. I think. But uh, uh, okay. So and a novena, however, is related also to the calendar. Like we get that number from uh, from the calendar as well. Nine being nine days of prayer, typically. An octave stretches out in a way. It stretches out a celebration. A novena, in a way, anticipates a celebration. And it comes from, if I remember right, it's related to the days between Christ's ascension and the descent of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, right? right? Yep, that's correct. So uh, ascension happens on Thursday, Ascension Thursday. And then if you count nine days going forward from there, you get to Pentecost Sunday. And it tells us in the Acts of the Apostles that after the ascension, the apostles uh, gathered in the upper room and prayed for the coming of the Holy Spirit, which mm-hmm. Christ told us, you know, pray and prepare and I will send the Holy Spirit upon you. So, so that is really what a novena is, is preparation and an octave is a, an extension of celebration. So by the time you do that, then you're, you've celebrated for 17 days. I mean, it's a pretty glorious yeah, celebration. In fact, right? and in fact, that even make that point, uh, if you pay attention to masses, if you go to the mass, during the octave of Christmas, for example, mm-hmm. they're using the same prefaces 
and the same prayers as the day of Christmas itself every day. Right. <laughs> so, right. you know, we celebrate this day. You're saying, well, wait a minute. Christmas was two days ago. Right. But because it's the octave, he's using the same prayers as if it was Christmas Day. There you That's go. beautiful. I love that. Yeah. And you're right. The novena then is an anticipation mm-hmm. and preparation. And, w- and what comes at the end? The coming of the Holy Spirit. The, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Uh, and and lots of people will pray a novena. You know, uh, novenas can be attached to, to prepare you for any sort of celebration. Of course, you know, we often think of a novena as something, you know, I'm going to make a novena. Or I'm going to pray a novena in anticipation of, of my personal feast day, you know, a day, a saint that I celebrate. So I, for example... Um, celebrate Saint uh, Saint Maximilian Kolbe, whose feast day is the fourteenth of August. So you know, for the nine days st- in advance of that, I might pray each day a little prayer of Saint Maximilian. You know, just kind of say, help, help me, you, my my personal patron, help me to celebrate the feast. You know, the feast of your resurrection. You know, so yeah, these are these are opportunities to get ourselves ready. You can do them anywhere. You can do them. You know, you can you can uh, do your own novena for any particular reason. Often, also people will pray a novena because they want to um, ask for for the prayers of the saints too. Octaves are a liturgical celebration. That's something that the whole church participates in. Something that the whole church. Um, the, the, the church actually says, we are going to stretch this feast out. So Christmas. Now, <clears throat> there are only two left on the, on the calendar at this point, right? We only have Christmas and Easter as the two octaves. But going through it historically, and I kind of looking in a bit, of, a bit of history, at one point, there were uh, octaves celebrated for many, many, many of the feasts. Uh, I think at one point I counted up, there was something like 20, uh, 18 or 20 uh, octaves on the official calendar. And then, so it was everything from, of course, Christmas and Easter, uh, and then Epiphany and Pentecost were the other major ones. And then St. Joseph's uh, uh, Feast, which comes in March, and then uh, we would have what was it? Corpus Christi and Ascension and Sacred Heart and Immaculate Conception and St. John the Baptist, Peter and Paul. So really, (laughs) when you get to thinking about it, a lot of these tend to fall in ordinary time. And so that meant each of these octaves, as you say, it's the same prayers that we do um, and that we extend the celebration. Well, it started to kind of um, trump uh, ordinary time, or it would trump like St. Joseph, since he always falls in Lent, mm-hmm. <clears throat> he would trump Lent. And Lent is a period of preparation for us. And it's, it's, it's its own, what we call a privileged season. And so it's important that we celebrate Lent. And so the church in its wisdom said, okay, we agree that these are wonderful celebrations and solemnities, but we also need to be proportionate. We need to remember that that other seasons like Lent are important to us. So they backed off and now we're, we're again, we have two octaves, official octaves, but I like to have a couple more. Well, there's, you know, I like, I like to celebrate. I like, <laughs> I like to celebrate. You know, one of the fun things here in the octave of Christmas is that, uh, during Advent, we didn't pray the Gloria at Mass. Mm, that's right. Uh, except on, on you know, the, the two solemnities that we had that, that fall within Advent. Um, primarily because, of course, the Gloria is the very word, the words of the angels at, at Christmas, right? The, you know, glory to God in the highest is what the angels sang to the shepherds to say, Christ is born. You know, today in Bethlehem, for you, Christ the Savior is born. So we didn't pray the Gloria. 
But in the octave of Christmas, we pray it every day. Every day. And so it is this joyful song and this joyful prayer uh, in praise of the, the triune God. And now we get to pray it every day. And we wouldn't get to necessarily pray that for eight days in a row if we didn't have this octave. Yeah, see, that, that's why I love being Catholic, man. So we could party, you know, not like, maybe not like a secular culture, but we, we got our little, we got the glory every day. Come on now. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Uh, you mentioned a preface. You mentioned the preface being the same. I don't know that we've ever talked about what a preface is. What do... You know, the preface to me is like the, uh, like a little piece of gold nugget right in the middle of the mass. Okay. You know, that that's the part where it says, the Lord be with you and with your spirit, lift up your hearts, lift up the Lord, let's get thanks. Lord God is right and just. Mm-hmm. It is truly right and just. Our duty and salvation always and everywhere. That, that prayer starts the preface. Okay. And the preface... Um, especially during seasons like Advent and, and Lent and Easter, you know, um, really give great teaching as to the meaning um, and the purpose of that particular season, that particular time of year. And they're beautiful. I, some of the, the greatest teaching, I think, at Mass happens during that preface because hmm. it really ties in salvation history. It really connects us to what the season's really all about. But it's one of those things that people kind of tune out a little bit, you know, sure. because they, because the uh, the the uh, the Sanctus is, is on it. Yeah, they're coming. getting ready to the sing Holy, 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 Holy. 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 Yeah. And so, so that little prayer in the middle there, often I wonder, do we really pay attention to what the priest is saying at that point? But it's so rich. It's like baklava right in the middle of Mass, you know. It's like a piece of, you bite into it. It's like, whoa, where'd that come from, you know? Wow. It's, it's kind of like that. And I always, when I talk about the Mass, I always get people really pay attention to that because that's a rich, beautiful teaching during that part of the, of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. And it's usually pretty short. I mean, it's only yeah. two or three sentences. Yeah, sometimes priests will sing it. If they have a singing voice, they'll sing the preface. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the, the key is to listen. Yeah. During that part, it, what, it really gives a real powerful jolt yeah, yeah. right there, uh, right before Jesus shows up on the altar. And for me, the beautiful part, too, is that the prefaces always end with this calling our attention to the fact that what we are doing, we are not doing just as a community standing right here around this altar. We are joining with the angels and the saints. So like often the prefaces will say, we join with the angels and the archangels, the thrones and dominions and powers, and all the hosts of heaven as we acclaim with one voice. And then we Mm -hmm. begin to sing, holy, 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 you know. And the very words of the holy, holy come from the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. You know, they come from, we know this is what the angels and archangels and all the hosts of heaven sing around the throne of the Lamb. So it calls attention to the fact that we have now stepped out of a physical space on earth. We have crossed the threshold to the divine liturgy, the divine eternal liturgy before the throne of the Lamb. And we're no longer just here in in beautiful Portland, Oregon, or wherever we may be. And that, for me, is the beautiful part, because it stretches us out from the tiniest, humblest country church to heaven itself. That's right. I love that. That's right. And that's that's why, especially like during the octaves, where you have that same preface every day, so you have the same emphasis and the same beauty. Yeah. Uh, about what uh, about what we're doing at the master during that time time of the year is awesome. That's cool. Well, yeah, pay attention to the preface because uh, if you missed it on Christmas, you still have a chance to hear it. That's right <laughs> for the next That's couple right. days. So the real question then becomes: 
uh, okay, nice academic theory. Thanks, Deacon, for sharing. How do I make this part of my life? How, how is, you know, what is there about octaves, this particular octave, and then maybe looking ahead at Easter? How can I, what, what does this mean for my everyday life? Well, one thing you can do is, is uh, really try to go to Mass every day, you know, to, to take advantage of those, those octave days, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and again, pay attention to the preface and just really... Um, let Christ fill you during this time of year. You know, really experience a deeper richness, um, not just from, of course, receiving the, the, the Eucharist, but also really listening to God's word during this time at the Mass mm-hmm. and just asking yourself as you're listening to God's word, what are you saying to me now, Lord? What, what are you saying to me? How are you preparing me? I mean, even, you know, using this time, uh, uh, in fact, well, how about this? Combining the novena with the octave. Well, that, you know, like, so for example, yeah. you know, because it ends on January 1st, New Year, everybody makes New Year's resolutions, and I'm going to do this differently this year, and this is going to, this is going to be my year this year. This well, wait a minute. Well, what about a little nine-day novena during the octave to prepare you for the new year that's coming up? And what, what better way to start off? Marry the mother of God. Yeah. You know, I mean, what a, what a beautiful way to really, um, you know, a prayer of anticipation, the coming of the Holy Spirit during the octave of Christmas. Mm-hmm. I think that's a powerful combination. Beautiful. Yeah. I like it. We have many types of novenas. I don't want to dwell on that, but, but maybe one either to the Sacred Heart of Jesus mm-hmm. or to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Because it's the year of mercy. Mary's the mother of mercy and, and right. Christ is mercy himself. So, yeah. um, so maybe... A, a novena prayer to the Sacred Heart of Jesus or Immaculate Heart of Mary might be very appropriate. It's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, the the other important thing to remember is that octaves are a celebration of a solemnity, a solemnity being the highest form of celebration that we have in the church. But they're not, an, an octave is not a holy day of obligation. So, yes, we had this day of obligation on Christmas, but and now we get to stretch that celebration out, but we don't, you're not obligated to go every day. It's a privilege. It's an invitation. It's an opportunity. So, um, you know, in this week, if maybe uh, within this octave of Christmas, as we're getting ready for New Year's, if you don't have to go to work this week, for example, if, uh, or something like that, and you have an opportunity, seek out the celebration of Mass and know that when you're going, you're, you're continuing to celebrate Christmas. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, and I like the way you put that. Um, uh, a holy day of opportunity. Yeah. You know, because I think we get bogged down with this obligation thing. Oh, I have to go to Mass, and yeah. church is making me go to Mass. You know what I mean? And, and, and we're losing really the beauty uh, and the opportunity for grace to really work in our lives, sure. to, to see, really seek a deeper connection with the living God in, in, in the Word and in sacrament. You know, and especially during this time of year where the readings are so rich and they're beautiful and they're alive. And, you know, and people still have this Christmas tree up. There's still that beautiful and just extending that joy. You know, I think it's a beautiful thing. I love it. Absolutely. Well, folks, that's our takeaway for the week. Go to Mass, celebrate the feast, and just know that while you're at Mass, uh, if you pop into Mass, uh, we're within the octave, but there are a couple saints who fall in here, too, that because because they've been great witnesses to the faith. Um, you know, on, on the day after Christmas, we had the Feast of St. Stephen, who was called the Proto-Martyr, the very first martyr of the Church, and we read about his uh, getting stoned to death uh, in the Acts of the Apostles. Um, the uh, Feast of the Holy Innocents, we celebrated the feast of those uh, children that were killed because Herod was 
uh, jealous of his kingship and he wanted to destroy the baby Jesus. An optional feast day that's coming up is uh, St. Thomas of Beckett. Uh, so maybe a good way to celebrate that is to watch the film Beckett. What a great film. Mm. But uh, And then later this week, we've got uh, Pope Sylvester, uh, who is not the cat in the cartoons, it turns out. He was a wonderful uh, holy pope. Uh, and so, uh, and then, of course, on, uh, on Friday, we'll get to celebrate the Feast of Mary, the Mother of God. And that is a holy day of obligation and opportunity. So that's right. I'll look forward to seeing you at Mass on Friday, everyone. And right. what a way to issue to celebrate and and uh, kind of welcome in the year 2016 together, uh, gathered around the the throne with the angels and archangels, the thrones, dominions, and powers, and all the hosts of heaven. Amen. Doesn't get any better than that, does it? That's right. Friends, make sure you connect with us uh, via our website, livingstonesmedia.org. You can follow us on Twitter at Catholic Stones, and you can always visit us on Facebook. Uh, just search for Living Stones on Mater Dei Radio. Deacon, within this uh, octave of Christmas, may we have your blessing. Sure, and I'll do it in Latin. Benedicat vos omnipotens Deus, Pater et Filius Spiritus Sanctus. Amen. Amen. I responded in Latin as well. <laughs> God bless you. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says that it is in the old Christmas carols that date from the Middle Ages that we find not only what makes Christmas poetic and soothing and stately, but what makes it exciting. The exciting quality of Christmas rests upon a great paradox that the power and center of the whole universe may be found in something very small, a baby in a manger. And it's extraordinary to notice how completely this paradox of the manger was lost by the brilliant theologians, but was kept in the Christmas carols. The songs recall the main point of the story, that God once ruled the universe from a stable, and that the hands that made the stars were too small to reach the huge heads of the cattle. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Here's my challenge for you today. Make the people around you know you're grateful for them. Make them feel loved, valued, appreciated. And the power to be a blessing like that, it starts with prayer. The other day I woke up stressed, tired, distracted by work, I wasn't queued up to be a blessing, but a drain on the people around me. So I stopped, and I spent a few minutes in prayer just thanking God for each member of my family by name, and it instantly reoriented me. It's just so easy to go through the day treating people like you're taking them for granted when you are. Get intentional about treating your greatest gifts from God, those people around you, every day like their gifts. When we're intentional about that, it creates an atmosphere where people feel safe and loved and where the family starts to feel a little like heaven on earth. As the ancient chant says, Ubi caritas et amor Deus ibi est. Where charity and love are, God is there. For more from my book, I Am, visit rewriteyourname.com. I'm Chris Stefanik from Real Life Catholic.